This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity. Like Progressive home and auto policies, they're best when they're bundled too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save nearly $800 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Women Who Travel, a podcast from Condé Nast Traveler. I'm Meredith Carey, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Sally Arakoglu. Hello. Like many of you, we've also had to cancel trips as a result of the current pandemic. In fact, Lale was supposed to be on vacation in Antigua at this very moment. And it's been really hard to find our way through all of the complicated emotions that have come with putting life on hold and sheltering in place. To work through it all with us, we have Megan Spirell, newly anointed associate editor at Traveler. Congratulations, Hi. Megan. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> and Julia Buckley, a traveler contributor and frequent traveler based in the UK. Hello. Before we get started, I just wanted to say thank you to Sydney Baker and Anna Stenauer for sharing what they wanted to hear from Lolly and I on Instagram and inspiring this week's episode. Lolly, do you want to kick it off with the first question? I do. I'm actually going to kick it off with a question for you, Julia, which is that um, while as the pandemic took hold around the world, you were actually traveling a lot and were abroad when you realized that you needed to be back in the UK sheltering in place. Could you talk through a little bit about what that experience was like and what it took to get home? Yeah, it was actually really surreal. So I was in the middle of this month-long trip around South America in Brazil and then Uruguay and then I was going to Argentina and then back to Brazil before I finished. And it happened when I was in Uruguay and the whole time in Brazil I'd seen things happening and had kind of seen what was coming but I didn't realise how fast it was going to be. And I was also feeling a lot more safe over there than I was than I would have felt at home and wasn't that excited at the idea of coming home. So my thought was, oh, by the time I spent a month out here, I'll have ridden out the peak and I'll come back to London and everything's going to be fine. Nobody's going to be dying anymore. And this will be great. And then I was in Uruguay and it all got very surreal. I was stargazing, looking at the Milky Way in my hotel one night, managed to fall over in the dark and sprain my ankle, um, got taken to hospital and then had to spend the next five days resting up in this lovely B&B that I found near Punta del Este, near the hospital. Um, and I just sat there in the hammock for five days, watching the world kind of close down bit by bit. And it really felt like I was on another planet, kind of watching everything from afar and still not really 
realizing how that affected me because I was in my own little world, couldn't even walk or go anywhere. Um, and then I was having discussions with the insurance and the travel insurance about they wanted to take me home because I had this sprained ankle. And I was saying, no, 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 I want to carry on with my trip. I'm going to Argentina next. But first, I've got to drive six hours in Uruguay to Carmelo, this wine town. I've got to go and visit some vineyards. And then Argentina closed its borders to foreigners. And I thought, oh, I'm not going to go to Argentina. And the um, insurance people were saying, you really need to come home. You're crazy to be staying out here. And I was saying, no, 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 you don't understand. I live for this. I love travel. I want to stay. And then I realized that it just, it wasn't going to happen. And the lovely people at my hotel who were amazing family taking care of me, they started getting worried and saying, we've been told that we're going to have to shut down soon. We can help you find a house to rent if you want to stay here, but you might have to be here all winter in Uruguay. Um, and I just realized that I had to, I had to get home to my family. I still tried to see if I could do a few days in Brazil on the way back, but then I just, things started happening so quickly that I thought, actually, I need to get home before the UK closes its borders, which is what I thought was going to happen. It didn't. We're still allowing flights to go and come from anywhere. Um, so yeah, I got back, got back to a completely deserted Heathrow after I'd had to change my flight, bring it forward three weeks, hired a car, drove home to Cornwall where my mum is, um, because she's by herself and I wanted to be with her and make sure that she was okay. And I've been here ever since, like sheltering. At the moment, I'm in a neighbour's garage, um, self-isolating until I'm really, really safe to go in with mum. How did it feel to change your plans so abruptly? Obviously, this was a much longer trip than it ended up being. Um, I think a lot of us are thinking about future cancelled trips, but how did it feel to kind of cut it off right Again, when you were hitting your stride. It was pathetically tragic. I was so, so upset. I was in floods of tears. And I remember I had one night sitting in the hammock, all dark with the kind of sea mist all around me coming off the Atlantic, out in my hammock by the little pool. And I was the only guest. It was incredible, this experience at this hotel. Um, and I had this talk with the travel insurance people and they were saying, you need to come home we can't cover you for coronavirus, but we can bring you home for your sprained foot. And you're crazy if you think that you want to stay out here because you have no idea what's happening. He was on the phone to me and he was saying, oh, another another alert from the foreign office has just come out, out and now Uruguay is about to kick foreigners out. And oh, another alert's just come up as we're talking. So yeah, I was devastated on that phone call and I was not thinking straight and I was saying, no, you don't understand, I'm going to stay, I have to stay. I can't, I can't give up. I can't. This is my life. Like I live for travel. I don't know what else I'm going to do. And then I thought about it overnight and I woke up to a text message from a friend saying, please come home. Um, and that's when I decided to come home. So yeah, it's pathetic that I was so caught up in my little trip and not thinking about the bigger picture in the world. But when you, I don't know, when I travel, I get so into it. I never want to come home. And it was so perfect. And so beautiful and I was having this incredible experience with this family in Uruguay they were looking after me I was beginning to talk terrible Spanish to them we were chatting like they were treating me like one of their family they were bringing me their soup that they'd made that night to share with them it was just a really amazing experience like I was on some kind of language school or a foreign exchange or something and I just yeah it's devastating that I had to 
come home from that, I'm still not quite over it. Out of interest, have you stayed in touch with that family since you've been back in the UK? Yeah, we've WhatsApped. Um, I've sent a picture of my home. They were texting me kind of every day to say, are you safe yet? Are you home yet? And I kept saying, no, I'm in Brazil because I can't get a flight home from Sao Paulo yet. Don't worry, though, I'm out of your country. Like, because they were terrified that the Uruguay border was going to close and there would be no flights back to Europe. So, yes, we are in touch. Hopefully going to stay more in touch with them. I've promised them that as soon as this is all over... I'm going to come back and I'm going to have learned proper Spanish and we can have a proper conversation. Um, I bought them a bottle of hand sanitizer before I left because I had to go back to the hospital to get a fit to fly certificate and they were selling hand sanitizer there and the family had been saying that they didn't have any. So we had this kind of tearful farewell. Like all of us just seemed really sad that I was leaving because not because I was such a popular guest, but because it was just, such a huge kind of moment in the world that we could all kind of feel I was their last guest of the year I was going back home and would not know when I was next going to get on a plane it was just like this air of finality for all of us I think was really powerful and I guess to them you were their sort of last shred of normalcy like once you left they were no longer operating a B&B or their business yeah yeah so they weren't getting any more money after me but also yeah I was the last person they had to make breakfast for or the last person that they had to clean the pool for and they'd already started to move into the other rooms um my Spanish wasn't good enough to ask where they normally live but they started to move into the other rooms in the hotel and I was in this kind of little cabana on the other side of the pool and so for the last couple of days they had actually moved into the hotel rooms so it was like our own weird little commune like cut off from everyone else it was just it was such an incredible experience actually I'll never never forget that Pusada Creon um in La Barra just outside Punta del Este if anyone wants to go they are the nicest sweetest kindest people god they're gonna have people lining up to stay when this is over I'll be first in the queue I hope so I hope so I know that Lala you were supposed to be on vacation um at a friend's wedding when this episode goes live and you and Megan and I were all supposed to go to another friend's wedding, a dress that I was going to wear to that wedding I wore to a Zoom meeting the other day. Um, but what other trips um, have you guys had to cancel or adjust with everything that's going on right now? Megan, I know that you had a big trip to Lebanon, right? Yeah, I had, um, I feel like I had a handful of weekend trips to the wedding we were all going to go to, to my sister's bachelorette party. Um, and I also had trips that I hadn't started planning yet. And I think one of the biggest ones was a trip I was really looking forward to in early June to Lebanon and uh, to Beirut with with a friend. And then I was going to tack on a weekend alone in Istanbul, which was kind of a big thing for me. And as this has all been unfolding, I sort of stopped planning that trip. We kept saying, oh, let's wait, let's wait and see if we should buy the flights. Let's get a little closer to, oh, now there's cases in Beirut. Maybe we won't go there. And then obviously this became this giant global pandemic and I realized it wasn't going anywhere. But I think I think what most people are feeling now that I'm definitely feeling is like now I'm looking at my September trips and that's when my sister's wedding is. And you know, the wedding we were all supposed to go to is in October, but now that feels not that far away. And I think that's like kind of the headspace I'm personally in. Like 
feel like the other trips I like said goodbye to so long ago. It just, you know, every day is like a year. You know, I think, um, Julia, you said something really interesting, which was that um, when you were lying in your hammock, you felt pathetically sad. And I think that sort of sums up how a lot of us feel about our cancelled plans, because it's like, obviously, you understand that the severity of this crisis is much bigger than your cancelled holiday or your cancelled travels. But at the same time, like it is something that means something to you that you have either invested money in or invested time in or like, you know, with us and especially you, Julia, like those travels are what brings you work. You know, you are a travel writer and it's hard to forgive yourself for feeling sad about that when you know that things could be so much worse. For me as well, one of the the main reasons that I travel, apart from it being for work, but one of the reasons that I love travel is meeting new people and having my mind open to different cultures or I'll learn about the history of a place and get into that or I'll start trying to learn a few words of the language that opens up my tiny life in so many ways. Just even a five-day trip to somewhere, I'll come back with my head just buzzing of people that I've met and things that I want to know more about and everything. And the idea of that closing down is is what saddens me, the idea that I can't go back to that family in Uruguay or that I can't, I'm not going to go to those vineyards. It's not just I wanted to be drinking wine in the vineyards. It was everything that I knew that I was going to learn and get excited about and things that I never thought I'd get excited about um, that would have happened. And it's that, it's kind of a feeling of loss, really, even though it's I don't want to be there right now. I'm glad that I'm here with my family and I want everyone to stay at home until this all finishes. But there's still that, that sensation of, of loss, almost like a little bit of grief. Exactly. And it's like, you know, that staying at home and self-isolating is necessary and important and has to be done. But you can also still feel sad that you have to do it. Those the, those two things aren't exclusive of each other. And I think if I've realised anything over the past like six weeks, it's that you're allowed to feel many things at once. And I think one of the things that's been like a real struggle for me is that, yes, obviously, like travel is a big part of my life. I mean, I talk on a podcast about it once a week I work at a travel magazine but I think the other thing that I that makes it such a struggle to not be able to do it right now is the extremity of what we're experiencing it's not like we're all living our normal lives but it's like oh well I have to cancel my holiday or my trip and I just can't go anywhere for a while it's like no I can't go outside I can't see my friends or my family or have like you said Julia those human connections that like we all crave I think something that like I've been thinking about because, you know, just thinking of like that Lebanon trip, I feel like I'd, you know, I said I already like said goodbye to it a while ago, but also I have been personally feeling like over the past couple of years, I've been in a travel rut where I've been like doing a lot of those obligatory visits or weddings and things that are so special, of course, but you know, it's not you really pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. And I think that's why like my big June trip felt like I had finally like made myself pick a date grab a friend and like do this big thing that was a bucket list trip without having some impetus or some other thing making me go. I didn't have something where I had to be like, I was just pulling it together and pulling off this trip. And I think when I felt like really bummed about that, I'm like, wow, it's going to take so much energy for me to really pull it together and pull this trip off in the future. I think of like something a friend 
who uh, is a therapist and always says wise things to me recently said, but you know, I think all of us keep apologizing for how we're feeling where we say, well, I know everyone has it so much worse. So like, I know I'm not allowed to complain about this, or I know I can't say anything. And it's like, this is such a crisis. And no matter what your situation is, I'm sure there's someone going through something worse. But what she said to me that I keep playing in my head is if the comparison game makes you feel better, do it. And like, it's definitely a good filter for thinking about what you complain about on social media or what you put out in very public places. But also like all of our feelings are valid. They're all real. And all of our experiences right now are so confined to like the space of our apartment or the garage we're in or whatever, whatever place we're, um, isolating. And like, we still have to pay attention to how we're feeling or we're going to go truly insane, like locked away from everyone and the world we're used to. Yeah, I think though that what I am trying to figure out right now is that I didn't really have travel plans this year. I had a whole load of weddings that are now all rescheduled to October um, and a plan to go somewhere for Labor Day with some um, friends of mine from college, but I did not plan a week anywhere or set up anything because I was like, oh, I'll I'll deal with it later. I'll start planning it later. I'll figure it out later. And now that later is way later than I had ever imagined. So wrapping my head around when that those trips actually happen is kind of crazy and feels like something I can't even think about right now but at the same time all I'm doing is sitting on my phone looking at old trips like from five ten years ago I'm at my parents house and like looking at old vacation photos and all of that has become what I do a lot of the time um in the evenings and so I feel like there's like this deep missing of travel and an unknown as to what comes next You come to the New Yorker Radio Hour for conversations that go deeper with people you really want to hear from, whether it's Bruce Springsteen or Questlove or Olivia Rodrigo, Liz Cheney, or the godfather of artificial intelligence, Jeffrey Hinton, or some of my extraordinarily well-informed colleagues at The New Yorker. So join us every week on The New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to level up? For me, it's my hiking boots, which have gotten me over some pretty tough terrain. And I'm not talking about my morning commute on the New York City subway. They've pushed me to go to far-off places like trekking in the remote mountains in Patagonia, wildlife spotting amid the thick rainforest of the Amazon, and climbing through canyons in the Utah desert. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. There's an available panorama glass roof, 33-inch all-terrain tires, and multi-terrain select driving modes. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior means that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium, Apple Card, or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. 
Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Something else I've been thinking about is like in our, you know, company-wide Slack, I saw someone ask in a benefits channel about what's happening to like all of our vacation days because, I mean, we might reach the end of the year and not go anywhere. And I was realizing I haven't used a vacation day. Like, and if, and if I can't take these trips, it that's just crazy. Like we talk so much about the importance of that. I'm like, wow, should I just take them and like have a week off here? Or would that be worse for me? I can't tell, but. I actually have a friend who took a personal day recently so he could just play video games all day. Cause he was like, I just, I just need to take a day and I'm just going to play PlayStation. It makes me happy. That is so fair. And I was like, good for you. (laughs) No, I mean, I think it's true that taking that time off, like there's a reason why we've said in the past that even if you can't go on vacation, it's worth taking time off because you need a break. And especially now you need a break. So I would check with your current work policy to see what their options are and if they're changing anything to roll things over. And like, yeah, give yourself the grace to take the time that you would have been taking otherwise to like get offline or stay and online, would, whatever you want to do. And I would also add that by, you know, I'm, you know, this is such uncharted territory that I'm sure a lot of workplaces haven't even really seriously thought about that problem yet. And But by asking that question and sowing that seed, that sets the ball rolling for policies to be changed or things to be addressed in the coming months. So it's always worth asking the question. I think one, you know, aspect of travel that we haven't quite broached yet, which is something that I've been thinking about a lot, is actually, um, of course, there's there's travel for pleasure and for work, but there's also traveling to see family. And this experience has made me realize quite how far I live from home. And I've always taken that transatlantic flight um, for granted, it's always felt oddly, you know, it costs a lot of money, but it's always felt oddly easy. And suddenly it's not. And I, you know, knock on wood, like I know, I know I will see my parents soon. Like it will be, you know, but the not knowing when is really, is really hard. And, you know, Julia, you, you made the decision that you needed to get back so that you could be close to your family rather than spending a winter in Uruguay. Um, and Megan, I know, you know, your mum is in California, which is the same distance as London, basically. And I'm just wondering how you're kind of factoring in um, what that like California travel would look like if and when. The number of times I've thought of like, do I get a car and just go, just head west? Like I, um, Lolly, you wrote such a beautiful essay about like missing London. And I actually had that exact realization after I was like, I've been feeling like that too. And then I thought about, I was like, I'm also that far. And I think there's like this landmass that I could cross if I got desperate. But, um, like at the beginning of this, some people did make the drives home, um, to different places. And I think I had a moment of being like, should I do that? You know, my mom lives alone. My sisters and I are, you know, one's in New York, one's in Denver. So we're all different places. And I think I, Obviously, there's the appeal of like having a backyard and a whole home and being with her and there's a dog and we have an avocado tree. Like it's, it's amazing. And I think, you know, I had like, there was a very short window to do that and I definitely missed it. And I also, you know, I have emotional, like an emotional attachment to being here and I live with my partner and we have our apartment. And I think there were so many factors, but I have realized like, 
I don't make a lot of trips home usually. I don't prioritize it because I want to like, you know, like you were talking about, Julia, go places and see things I've never seen and learn new languages. And I want to feel like I'm just a sponge soaking up these new cultures and learning always. And I also like LA isn't my favorite city. And I think I just feel like been there, done that. There's nothing new for me, which obviously is never true. But yeah, I've just, all I can think is like, wow, I really miss like being in my car and sitting in traffic on the 110 and like hearing the music I want to hear. And I want to be like shuttling back and forth between my mom's house and my friends. And like, I just think there's so many little things I miss. And I, not only do I want to go back right when this is over, but like, I got to stop being so lazy about going home and like taking that long flight and being like, yeah, this year I'm only going home a couple times, but like next year, like I just, I don't know. I appreciate the city a lot. And like, it's, definitely changed my thinking like I think it has for so many of us. Julia, when you think about how your priorities for forward-looking trips have changed just in the time that you've been home, what is different for you about the trips you want to take when you can travel again? I think I'm going to be thinking a lot more about why I want to go to a place, not just because I have to go there for work or because I haven't been there, but what am I actually going to get from it? I think I was so lucky in the last... The last two trips that I took, so I had my South America one with that incredible Uruguay ending that I'll never forget. Like, I feel kind of attached to Uruguay and Uruguayans forever now. And I'm going to learn Spanish with a Uruguayan accent and everything. And right before that, I'd been in Italy and I had gone to the Marque region in the middle of Italy and I'd arrived there from Naples the day that that region closed it only had a few cases, but it closed all its public areas, so all the galleries, museums, everything. And I was there for work, supposed to be writing about galleries and museums, and I got there to these ghost towns. So I had this incredible experience in Italy where I had nothing to do, and so I just went around these tiny towns, finding people to talk to, and instead of rushing from one place to the next and eating a sandwich in the car on the way, I would buy different ingredients for my sandwich from the different tiny local shops, and then I put my sandwich together and ate it on a bench overlooking this incredible landscape which I never never do I never have time because I'm always rushing and those two trips not even because of the circumstances because now I can't travel for a while but those are kind of seared in my memory as two of the best trips that I've ever taken even though on one level they were disastrous like I didn't see anything of what I had gone to see I didn't have the experiences that I was hoping for but I just had a much much deeper experience um, on that level and I'm never going to forget them so I think when I start traveling again I'm going to try and slow down it's difficult when you're going for work because you do feel like you have to tick off everything but I'm going to realize you don't have to see five museums you can pick one or you don't have to see all five historic bars in Genoa you can just go to one and sit down instead of standing at the counter and you can enjoy it and really soak it in and I think that's what this has taught me because it's the like the images and the almost the smells and the feelings that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life of those two trips. It's not that painting that I saw in a gallery. How have you all been bringing your travels into your home in a more serious way than you were before? I mean, when this first happened, a lot of people were talking about that and kind of finding ways to escape from home. And I think I just like, at first wasn't in a space to do that. I was just like, felt just too crazy. And I think with time I've been able to like calm down a little and 
one of the things that's really helped is cooking. So I have this like wall of cookbooks in my apartment, which everyone on the traveler staff, women who travel team knows about because I just hoard cookbooks. I love them. I don't think anyone believes I cook from them. And honestly, before this, I very rarely did, but they're all from different places. And I think one that I've really loved using that's kind of like become my part-time job is this uh, cookbook from Peru where I lived for six months. Um, I've gone back a lot of times. I'm dating a Peruvian and I have so many really fond memories with these dishes. And I always thought they looked too intimidating to cook. Like they take too much time. I assumed the ingredients would be so impossible to get. And I've opened it like eight times in the past week or two and used it and cooked things that I never knew I could make. Like I literally have chicharron boiling on the stove right now to make a sandwich later, which is going to take six hours and it'll only be ready by dinner. But like I'm home and I can do that. And it feels so nice. Like I think of those travel memories and it also makes me feel again, like I'm learning something and connected to the outside world. I'm like kind of empowered, even though I'm stuck here. And I think I know like a lot of people have gone through waves of wanting to cook ambitiously and then that completely losing its sparkle and just being like another chore, but that's really helped me put some music on and like, just let your mind wander to a good place, hopefully. Julia, how have you been sort of staying connected to the places you love? Um, in a very similar way, except that I can't cook. So I'm not doing anything ambitious, <laughs> but I have cleared out my cupboards and I've got all this stuff that I've picked up from everywhere around the world, but I'm never home. So I never use it. So I'm going through that. And then that's starting new connections. So I've just, I'm coming to the end of my bottle of olive oil from Umbria. So I emailed the guy and I was like, how are you? Is everything all right? Are you shipping to the UK? So I'm going to buy some oil from him. And then I thought, hang on, I normally buy my olive oil from Puglia because I'm a massive olive oil snob. So I emailed my favorite Puglia producer. How are you? Is everything okay? So I'm going to buy a bottle from him as well. I'm using soap that I brought back from Brazil in my last day in Sao Paulo with my sprained ankle on a crutch. I went round trying to pick up loads of stuff like soap and herbs and things that would make me remember Brazil so I've got my soap from Sao Paulo I've got a massive salami that I'm working my way through from Parma that I bought in December I've got a huge hunk of cheese from Bologna Parmesan cheese again working through that gradually and it's just every time I'm seeing this stuff and smelling it or eating it it's just taking me back and yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. And it makes me realise that I'm so stupid that I never use stuff when I buy it. But on the other hand, I'm now being transported back when I most need it. So it's probably Those descriptions are transporting it. me. Oh, my God. I know, I know. And I'm like, God, I want to, I, I'm going to have to email your man in Puglia and get some <laughs> I was going to say, we need that name. <laughs> his, his shipping rates are really, really good. 15 euros for three bottles, which is nothing if you think about it. And the bottles start at three euros. So, yeah, he's Pietro D'Amico from Il Frantolio um, in my best, my best English Italian accent there. But, yeah, they're, they're incredible and it will take you straight to Italy. So everyone should do that. And I think that's a really good point just in terms of obviously when everyone's stuck at home, the temptation is to do a lot of online shopping um, and being conscious of where you're putting your money while you're doing it is, I think, really important right now, especially when you're thinking about small businesses and sort of what a wonderful way to be able to support these producers in regions that have been really hard hit by this and also getting something really nice out of it at the same time for yourself. Now that we've kind of worked through everyone's 
priorities and concerns and loves that they're going through right now, what is the next trip you are mentally planning already, even if you can't book it yet? I guess we'll start with Julia. Oh, I don't know. It's really hard. So there are ones that I was supposed to already be on. Um, I was supposed to be in Naples for Easter. I was supposed to be going to LA to house with a friend in June. But they're not they're not really the ones that I'm aching to go on. I'm actually desperate to go back to Uruguay and finish where I started or pick up where I left off or even. And I just really want to get back to Italy. It's my favourite place in the world. It has everything it has history art incredible people amazing food it's just the best place for me that I've ever been and I just want to go there and throw every single penny that I have at them and to all the small businesses like here let me buy four bottles of olive oil let me buy some saffron let me buy some chickpeas even though I'll probably never eat them (laughs) and just really do everything I can to help them get back on their feet I just discovered a not discovered but it was my first time in the really mountainous part of central Italy in November where they've been suffering from earthquakes um they haven't recovered from the massive earthquakes of 2016 and these towns are still pretty much ruined and people before coronavirus were trying desperately to get back on their feet but really struggling so I think I want to go back there where the food is incredible the history is amazing it's so sad to see all these buildings just fallen down around you but they need help and it's an amazing place an amazing atmosphere so that's that's where I'm gonna go and throw my money at them Megan how about you I'm gonna make sure I get that Lebanon trip on the books as soon as I can and I'm thinking a lot about kind of the same thing we've been saying throughout but those types of trips that I always wanted to do and haven't prioritized I think like another condition of being someone who loves to travel is that whenever you get opportunities to go places, even if they're not somewhere you've thought about, you just say yes to everything. Like I have a problem with that because I want to be always moving, always in different places. But because I do that, then I feel like I'm traveling a lot and then I'm, I want time at home. And then I don't make time for these really big trips that like have always kind of been simmering in the back of my mind as something I want to do at some point. And so like one of those is I really want to get certified to scuba dive. Like I did a discovery course once and I loved it and it like sparked something in me and I still have never planned that trip. So I like, I want to do my research now since I have plenty of time and figure out like, am I going to Indonesia? Am I going to Roatan in Honduras? Like, where am I going to go and do this and when, and like, who's going with me and get it on the books? Because I think like this has taught me that I don't want to have years and years of not doing things and then not being able to. Well, eh? Well, the moment that it's safe to travel, I'm just going to go home and go to London and just, you know, be with my family. But that's that's a given. And then beyond that, you know, I think obviously I have like a great yearning to be going to new places and ticking off the sort of trips that I've wanted to do for a long time you know I think if people listen to the podcast enough they know that I'm like desperate to go to Vietnam that's like been top of my list for like two years at this point but it's also I think that you know you can only miss the places that you know and this experience has you know made me think about you know well I wonder how the people who run my favorite restaurant in Athens are doing for example and you know like 
how's my favorite neighborhood in Istanbul? How, you know, I just, you know, what I would give to just walk through the Marais in Paris. Um, so I actually think I might end up returning to places I've already been before and just, you know, absorbing them probably in a far better and more thoughtful way than I've done in the past. Yeah, I mean, I feel like along the similar lines, but not the exact same as you going back to London, um, because I'm in Texas right now, like the first thing I want to do is go to New York and obviously go back to my apartment, but also be out in New York, which is I know something that Megan and Lala, you probably feel um, even more acutely being there and, and not being able to. Um, go to your favorite restaurants. Like all I want right now is to sit in a restaurant and have it be really loud and talk to the person next to me, um, and bother them about what they've ordered and like talk to the waiter. Um, and I think I'm missing those aspects of New York, that like community, the walking, all of that most. And then beyond that, I feel like just like Lolly, I want to go back to all these places that I love and see people that I love. My only thing, and this it might be, I mean, this is not really relevant at, mo- at the moment, but it's made me rethink my whole priorities. Like I'm seriously, over the last couple of days, started thinking about, can I put together really quickly some almost kind of as a charity thing, like supplying Italian stuff to the UK and the US and stuff like that. Can I put together a website that kind of puts all these suppliers, quickly translate them and see whether we can get stuff to people. So I don't know, that's just my little personal plug that I haven't even started on yet, but Oh my god! Well, I tell us tell what you, you do. Time, maybe. I'll yeah, be your first brilliant. customer. Yeah. <laughs> and if there's anything we've learned during this time, it is that things, when they need to happen quickly, can happen quickly. Especially when there's like a good intention behind it, people get on board and support you. If people want to find that when it comes to being, where can they find you on the internet? Oh, well, they could find me on Twitter, where I'm at Julia the last I think it would be a really cool thing to get behind and I think it would help a lot of people but also it would give a lot of pleasure to those of us who are stuck at home 100% um Megan where can people find you on the internet I'm at Sprelly on Instagram or Megan Sprell on Twitter and you can find me at Lale Hannah and I'm at Oh Hey There Mayor. If you are looking for more information about the pandemic and its effects on the travel industry, need help getting a cash refund on a canceled trip, or want to see how people around the world are managing to stay connected during lockdown, head to seeintraveler.com. Megan has written a bunch of great pieces about the coronavirus as it relates to travel, so be sure to check those out. For more updates on Women Who Travel, follow us on Instagram at Women Who Travel and sign up for our newsletter. We'll talk to you next week. Hi, I'm Jeremy Larson, the Reviews Director of Pitchfork, and this podcast is supported by Pitchfork Music Festival. Pitchfork Music Festival will take place July 19th through the 21st at Union Park in Chicago, Illinois. This year's lineup features Jamie XX, Alanis Morissette, Black Pumas, Carly Rae Jepsen, Brittany Howard, Jay Paul, Luna, Jesse Ware, 100 Gex, and many more. The festival also features diverse vendors as well as specialty record, poster, and craft fairs and works to support local businesses while promoting the Chicago arts and food communities as a whole. For more information on tickets and lineup, visit pitchforkmusicfestival.com.
I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth.